This is episode 30 of The Focused Mindset. Today, you get to listen in on a conversation I had with psychiatrist and psychotherapist, Dr. Ben Furman from Helsinki, Finland. He teaches the solution-focused approach all over the world. He's the founder of the Helsinki Brief Therapy Institute and the creator of the Kids Skills app. We're going to discuss why traditional measures of discipline just don't seem to work and find out what does work. You're not going to want to miss a single moment. But before we get into that, if you're new to this program, thank you for joining us. But don't forget to subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any of the family-oriented, solution-focused material that we have here. And if you like what you hear, go ahead and share this episode. Share it on your Facebook page. I give you full permission on whatever media so we can get this information out to the families that really need to hear it. And for more information, don't forget to check the show notes. I'm going to leave all the helpful links right there. Or you can find that information on my website, thefocusedmindset.com. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset. The Focused Mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey, and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. Welcome. Thank you for being here, Ben. It's a pleasure. You and I shared a stage recently, a virtual stage at the Solution Focused Schools Conference. And when I heard you speak, I heard your passion and I knew that you you have knowledge that you've gleaned over the years. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where that all comes from and how you've come to love this approach as much as I do? Ah, that's a long story, but uh, I'll try to keep it short. I'll, 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 only, I'll only answer you for two hours, so uh, <laughs> no problem. No, I, I'll, I'll try to say shortly. I, I, I'm a psychiatrist, and you know when I studied psychiatry and I made my residency, I think you call it specialization. So at that time it was psychoanalysis that was the dominant discourse, they say, the dominant theory of that time. And everybody believed the idea that if you have mental health problems, you have to go to long-term therapy and you have to sit there for many years. And I remember when I was working in child psychiatry, so when children had problems and they went to long-term therapy and then when parents started to complain that it doesn't help so they were also referred to long-term therapy so uh, each member of the family was going in their own um, individual therapy and then I heard about family therapy uh, because that was the new kid on the block at that time and uh, you know when you become interested in family therapy at that time so you find out about something they called 
uh, it was called brief therapy. And the idea of brief therapy was very exciting. Uh, it was the idea that you can work with families, you can work with individuals, you can work with anyone, but you work differently, very, very differently from the psychoanalytic approach. Actually, you, you are more of a consultant, more of a consultant or coach who tries to help people figure out their own solutions uh, very much based on the ideas of Milton Erickson who has inspired uh, a lot of people and has inspired the entire brief therapy movement so so I'm a I'm a medical doctor and a psychiatrist who became many years ago uh, interested in family therapy and therefore naturally found my way to to something that is called solution focused psychotherapy or coaching in that conference where you and I first met, you were brought in as the keynote speaker because of all of this that you've done, not only in the research in this field, but in the practice of this field. And what surprises me is that this work continues to keep you motivated. What about this approach makes you so excited about spreading it to everywhere? I think I'm not the only one excited about it. It's like all my colleagues internationally are very excited about these ideas. They are they're basically very simple ideas and and easy to teach to people. So many people are like, okay, okay, I get it. So for example, when I teach in China, and I do have a lot of parents in my workshops because we are often doing workshops on the topic of how to help help children who have any kind of problems you know we call them mental health problems but we can just say problems so uh, very often in my workshops people come back and they say they've tried these uh, ideas with their own children and they found a way finally to communicate with their own child and they're very happy and they are like well, I, could, I couldn't believe it. I tried to talk with my child in this way, and now my child talked with me. Before, we always get into arguments, and my child doesn't want to listen to me, and doesn't want to talk to me, and, and no matter what I did, but this kind of gives me practical tools of how to reach how to reach another person, how to, how to speak. And you know these tools that we have developed for communicating with kids in a better way? Sometimes people come to me and I've had this experience that somebody comes and says, Ben, uh, these ideas, they, they are good, they, they, they work. And I say, oh, so you work with children? No, 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 I don't work with children at all. Oh, I know you have been using these ideas with your own children. No, I don't even have own children. So with whom have you been using? I'm like perplexed and I'm like, with, so with whom have you been using? The, with my husband, it works very well, they say. Yes, they're, they're making it work for them, right? So mm -hmm. it sounds to me like when you see the results in the people that you're able to see the look on their face when something works, that must be what motivates you to keep moving forward. Yes, and there are also other reasons. There's a lot of um, 
dare I say, human rights violations going on in the field of psychology. Oh, you know, we yeah. punish, we punish kids, and we throw them out of schools, and we, we send them to a trajectory of criminality. Uh, I don't think we are pretty. So we are not so uh, excellent in handling um, deviant, deviants, deviants. There are a lot of children who don't uh, fit the norms and they are behaving in ways that we don't accept or we are worried about or we think that it's kind of like a mental health problem or a kind of a personality disorder or it's like something is wrong with this kid. Uh, and then then we uh, we try to do something. So what we do is not always, uh, you know, kosher. <laughs> it's not like uh, the right thing to do. Punishing is not a very good way to, to, to try to get uh, children back on track. Medication is not a very good way of uh, trying to get children back on track. Uh, and, uh, of course, any kind of, uh, you know, criticizing or um, threatening kids with... Uh, Consequent threatening kids with consequences. Do you think that happens in your country too? Well, most definitely it does. That's a lot of what I talk to parents about. Believe me, is how can I, how can I have a different approach when many people, including my own parents, including not only the way I was raised but the examples, are saying, "Well, you just need to punish them more." That's the message that they get, and that's something that I think we should kind of unpack a little bit because. Uh, that is not something that comes natural. The natural thing is to do what you were, what, what was given to you, number one. And something in parents' minds says, no, I want to do better by my children. But how can I do that when my automatic response is punish? I, th I think you are right. I think it is like, like somehow in our culture, the, may I say, dominant discourse, the dominant way of thinking is based on... Can I say behaviorism, you know? Yes. The, idea, the idea that uh, to raise children, uh, you, you, you manipulate them by using basically two techniques. One is, um, it could be called bribing, but, you know, rewarding. It's also called rewarding, and the other is called consequences. Uh, or you could say punishment, because people don't like to say punishment, they say consequences. So sometimes, no, I don't punish my children, I just give them consequences. <laughs> yes, but what's the difference from the child point of view? It's exactly the same. So, whether we are talking about rewards or punishments or bribing, or we are talking about, um, you know, what, whichever words we use, the, the, the frame of reference is still behaviorism. I am trying to change you by rewarding you and giving you consequences and hoping that you will, you know, mold into what the society and our family and, and what you should behave. And uh, in solution-focused, it's more based on collaboration. So it's quite a different concept. It's like, okay, so I have this idea and it's like collaborative problem-solving. It's like I think we have a Houston, we have a problem. You are not going to school. We need to solve this problem. How can we do this together? How can we, um, you know, collaborate to find a solution to a problem? Not, 
not like I have to solve your problem by steering you with the use of um, you know either consequences or rewards and uh, when we are training dogs I think it is the right way we have to use uh, consequences and rewards and many dog trainers these days they say no no don't use punishment no no the punishment doesn't work you have to use reward and that's like a one step forward but i would like us to take uh, one more step not only you know move away from punishment to rewards but actually take the next step too is like give up let's give up rewards let's give up uh, punishments let's talk to our kids so we, we find solutions together i that's like music to my ears and many parents when they feel it's almost like they're released from that pressure almost of the punishment cycle and the punishment cycle seems right in the moment but it ends up putting you on a hamster wheel because they're working to please the parent um, but it doesn't translate into owning it into that personal uh, I want to do this because I want to be that person that's changed and what have you found works to be able to help because in theory I can, I've talked to parents to say absolutely, but what have you found that works practically for parents to use this approach? Mm, the story goes back to when I started to work with a kindergarten. The, we, in Finland, kids start school when they are seven years old. So five and six years old are still in kindergarten. And I was approached by a kindergarten, uh, by a, by a small group of, uh, it was only eight children, it was um, special needs kids uh, in, a, in a special unit. So it was a big kindergarten, but there was a special unit there and, and they needed some help. Actually, they said that we are not uh, that bad with the kids. We are, we're actually quite good in helping these kids who have, they all had problems like behavioral problems and emotional problems and what have you. Uh, and uh, of course, even if the, in those days, maybe not everybody had a diagnosis, but today each of them would have not only one diagnosis, you know, maybe several. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and medication Most at that likely, time also. Yes. Mm. So, so anyways, they asked me for help. And one of the questions that, that, that the the staff had was they would like to improve their collaboration with the parents because they felt that they are not too bad with the kids but they, they would like to like to find a way to collaborate better with the parents because some parents they felt don't care and others you know uh, feel blamed and um, and there were many problems related to collaboration with the with the children's parents and of course, there were also difficulties with the kids. So I said, uh, yes, I'd be happy to work with you, but let's create something together that other kindergartens, other schools, you know, um, parents, anybody could benefit from. And we, we did decided that we will try to develop something. And yeah, we started working and, I, and only we created a... We stole some ideas from other people and we found some ideas ourselves. But let's say one of the key ideas or maybe, maybe the most important ideas that we found that we are a little bit proud of. You know, there are many ideas around and most ideas are, you know, the same ideas in different um, package um, or parcel wrapping, you would say, I guess. 
Yeah, so um, the idea that we, we embarked on was that let's not talk about problems. Let's uh, skip the whole idea of problems. Let's assume that our children don't have any problems at all. They only have skills to learn. It's a kind of a, a little bit mindset type of a thing. So, so you are, of course, they have problems, but, but we don't look at them from the perspective of problems. We look at them from the perspective of some skill that they might need to develop so that they will be happy and adjusted and successful and so on. And you know it becomes much easier to talk with parents when you are not uh, trying to solve the child's problem, but you are kind of dis finding an agreement with the parents about what would be an important skill for your child to learn in order for your child to be happy. And then uh, they might say, you know, the child is lying, for example. But you, you keep, um, you are consistent and you say, and so of course you don't want your child to write, lie to you, that's uh, not good. But what skill do you think he needs to learn so that he doesn't lie to you? And then you kind of continue with this question all the time, like, what skill? You can propose the skill, you can say, we have been observing your child, he's a wonderful child, he's very creative, he's wonderful, he's good at drawing, he's so sportive. You start by saying the good things about the child, the parents will feel very happy about your observations, of course. But then you continue and then you say, but there is one skill we think that he might benefit from. And then you present the skill. And then the parents usually say, yeah, that would be very good skill for our child. Yeah, we want to help you help our child learn that skill. See, we are kind of changing our language. We are changing our language from a problem-focused language to I might say solution-focused language, but nobody would understand what I mean. To make sure everybody understands what we are talking about, we don't say solution-focused, we say uh, skill-focused. So what skill would be an important skill for your child? And then uh, instead of you know lying, it would be, of course, honesty. So honesty is a skill that the children need to learn. And then, then we are all talking about how honesty is an important skill and how you can learn such a skill and what progress have you already made and how what does it look like. Let's try a situation where your honesty skill would be you know, challenged and show us how you do that skill. And everybody like clapping their hands. You did it. You showed us. Yes. Celebrating, make videos of children demonstrating their skills. But we kind of leave behind the world of problems because there's something strange about the human brain. When you start to talk about problems, everybody starts to think, why? The why question is automatically raised. People come with explanations and they know exactly why. And this child suffered that and the father was like this and mother was like that and the previous school was bullying and this was that. They all have these extraordinary explanations. But then these explanations can become a um, obstacle, obstacle, like a, it, it, it stops people from uh, discovering what progress. can be done yeah. about it.
Mm-hmm. It kind of halts the progress because then they're thinking about that rather than the solutions that exist. I think you nailed it. It halts the progress. That's exactly what happened. And there is even a saying in in, in English. They say sometimes that too much analysis causes paralysis. Yes. If you uh, analyze things too much, you know, then you then you definitely don't know what to do about it. So, so then uh, that was our our finding. And and since those days, we have just been talking about skills to learn. And you know the bonus. The parents like to talk about what skills their children need to learn. They like to help in some ways to help the child learn that skill because they don't feel blamed. They don't feel like you have done something wrong and therefore you see, look at your child. You divorced your husband and this is what you get. You know, now you have a child with a lot of mental health problems. Yeah, yeah, but it's not my fault. My, my, my husband was a jerk. And then we are like only blaming each other for, for the problems and not moving on. But when you start talking about skills, everybody changes, something happens in the human brain, people talk differently. And, and the bonus that I was referring to, you you might have already guessed what I meant, and that's that also children like to learn skills. So we get, we, we get, um, we, we get two birds with one stone, I think that's the English expression. We say it differently, but, but uh, it means that uh, when you, when you shift from, um, from problem language, the skill language, you you have you get the two birds with the one stone, and one is that uh, parents like to collaborate, and then the other one is that um, the children also are willing to learn skills, and and we we can it's easier to collaborate with them. Yeah, and it's, so at that point, you have a family unit working together towards a common purpose. And when you have that type of collaboration in a family unit, they begin to grow closer through that process where a punishment, um, a punishment cycle, it, they grow further apart. And so the, another benefit to focusing on the skills and everyone working together towards that purpose is that I, I can only imagine that people feel closer when they practice um, even even yeah even children feel cold, closer because when we started to use this model there in the kindergarten so the, the each child had a had a poster a little mini poster on the wall with their name and and a picture of it, of their power animal they get to choose a, an animal that you know helps me learn my skill and uh, and all the po- little mini posters are there on the wall and and the children know they know which skill my friend is learning and and i know which skill you are learning and then they often often the staff is like, like also having some skills to learn not only the kids why should the children be the only ones who are learning skills you know in families mama also might have a skill to learn and daddy might have a skill to learn and then stepmother might have a skill to learn and foster mother might have a skill to learn teacher might have a skill to learn so it becomes more democratic it's not like we are trying to you know use behavioral tactics and uh, what is it called token economy i think is one of of the one of the words from behavioral uh, psychology uh, that we are using different strategies to 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 
to change our children. This is not about changing children. This is about people growing and learning. So, so what is that? What is the thing that daddy might need to learn? And yeah, he probably has a skill to, or maybe if you ask his wife, he has many skills <laughs> to learn. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the mommy might have a skill to learn. And, and then you can also motivate children better when, when parents are also learning skills. Uh, so the kids are more motivated. Okay, um, my father is learning, you know, to handle his emotions or whatever it is, you know, uh, stop smoking or, or drive more carefully in traffic. It could be anything. But if there is a skill that my daddy is learning and there is a skill that my mom is learning, even if they would be divorced, they could still, you know, it, it has nothing to do uh, with what kind of family arrangement you happen to have. So then uh, the children are more motivated and they will also learn. But in the kindergarten and in schools, we try to ensure that the kids know what skills their friends, their, their classmates are learning. So they will support and help and be actively supporting each other. I think that's the trick. It's not about learning skills, it's about helping each other learn skills. Mm -hmm. Now we are talking. It's like people are very, um, they want to learn themselves and they get excited about watching other people learn rather than the opposite where they feel like, uh, well, let's just take an example of um, counseling. In counseling, if kids really get really honest with me, and usually they do, they will feel like they are um, an odd kid out. They're odd. They're the only one in the family that deals with these problems. They're the one that's the quote unquote bad kid. And this is maybe even a parent that's never used that word, but that's how they feel. If they're the child that's struggling uh, in appearance the most with their behavior, they become to have such a complex in their family that they play out that role. They play out that role perfectly. Well, I'm the kid that always throws a fit, you know, and it, this is, this approach brings everything into focus where the child can say, wait a minute, I'm normal. I have skills that I need to learn just like everyone else does. Like everyone else. That's an important aspect that you mentioned. Like in kid, in kids' skills, we call this approach kids' skills. So then um, it's, co it's usually done in some kind of a collective fashion. So we don't, pick, we don't um, pinpoint, we don't pick kids out of their um, context and say, you, you, you need some psychotherapy. You are a little bit mental. We, we need to do something with you. We need to give you medication. We need to, you know, put you into psychotherapy. Now it's quite different. It's like we are all <laughs> in need of uh, learning skills. Our parents, our teacher. I remember one um, headmaster. No, you wouldn't say headmaster. You would say principal of a school. Uh, principal of an elementary school, like primary school. Yes. And he's, he announced through the school PA system, like the radio system in the school, he said, in our school, we are going to start learning skills. And, and I can tell you what is my skill right now. You know, I have a bad habit of interrupting uh, people when they come to talk to me about this or that. So I'm going to learn to become better at listening. That's my skill. Now you get to choose your skill. 
Uh, we want to give example to the kids that we are also learning skills, then they will want to learn skills. And what is um, the, I said, uh, two birds with one stone. That's right. But, but, but maybe there is a third, uh, third bird that with the same <laughs> stone. Because, because when we are learning skills, we don't have to, you know, be ashamed. Uh, when we have problems, we are always a little bit ashamed and the parents make sure that nobody knows that my child has this problem or that problem. But when the children are learning skills, it becomes quite um, easy to be open about it and say, my kid is learning to play with other children or whatever it is. Um, I wanted to touch on how parents have been charged with brand new things that they've never, ever had to think about before. See, in the past, pre-COVID, we will say, and we passed the baton, if you will, to the teacher. And for a period of time, the teacher is in charge of the education. And if they're in sports, you know, now we pass the baton and we're able to sit on the stands a little bit and let the coach take over a little bit in those trainings. And something very unique has happened and is still, we're right in the middle of it right now, where everything has been brought into the home. And even though we're talking in Zoom and that kind of thing, primarily the parents are the ones, they, they're the ones that feel the pressure of, are my children going to succeed in school? What might you tell a parent that is motivated to help their children learn skills, but are feeling overwhelmed and feeling stressed? Yeah, you are right, you are right. But I think parents could benefit from learning what teachers today are trying to learn. We're managers in, in many, many Fortune 5, Fortune 5000, <laughs> Fortune 500 companies. I mean, all over the world, managers in companies are, are taking uh, coaching training. It's like, I, all, I often ask, like, why, why, you are a man, you are a, leader, you're a manager, you're a CEO, why would you like start to do some coaching training that you are not going to shift from being a CEO suddenly and then become a coach? And they say, no, I'm not going to become a coach, but I want the training because it helps me in my work as a manager. And then we are like seeing more and more teachers in schools that kind of a little bit more happy than many other teachers about their work and then you go like what why why are you not complaining everybody's supposed to be complaining so then uh, they say i've had some training in coaching whoa has that uh, somehow changed you yes it's changed me totally so tell me about it how can you you know what what has changed before i used to tell children what to do but now I just ask questions so then you kind of become aware that there is something called coaching out there and and it's different it's not like telling people or trying to change them or or making you know rules and 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 demanding and and it's very unauthoritarian approach but but it's still an approach to help people you know motivate it's a motivational technique but you are more using questions and these good questions that you can ask people i mean, I mean this like we already talked about one good question. What is a skill that my, you might need to learn in order to help you 
you know, be successful in school. Ask that to a kid, and okay, maybe the child will say, you know, I, don't, I have no clue, and I'm not interested, could be. But don't give up so uh, quickly, you know. If you want to learn the coaching approach, it's possible to learn, and you can do small exercises first. So we are, that's my job, to teach teachers, parents, grandparents, um, counselors, uh, a coaching style of conversation which is not uh, based on trying to change people it's based on helping people figure out what might be good for them and what kind of skills they might need to develop and how other people particularly how other people can help them in in making those um, in growing or learning I, I'd, I'd rather say learning those skills than growing but of course when you learn skills you are growing then you grow now i have to say that that approach of changing it's a mindset shift from i have to control all of this it's in my home to saying hey i can i i can coach this what would it, let's make a game plan let's set a game plan in action that can be helpful to learn these skills i can imagine that that alone could lighten the load of a parent that's feeling like they're quite overwhelmed with the task of making sure their kids get all their schoolwork done. And if they don't get their schoolwork done, the teachers uh, say, your kid hasn't been logging on to their classes and they're not doing it. And, and you know, this is not only mild problems, it's also for serious problems. Like I was talking the other day with a mother who was so uh, extremely worried about her 13-year-old daughter who had started to cut herself, you know, with a knife, so blood comes out. It's quite, it's very uh, anxiety-provoking when your children are doing this kind of self-harming type of things, and, and, and a, single, a single mother you are, and, 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 and she's like asking me to help her, and I said, okay, I can talk to your daughter, and the daughter actually talked to me once, once, once. She did come. We had a relative. I felt like a good talk. But then the mother is like, what can I do? How can I, uh, you know, help her? And and then you, you, you ask, like, who do you have who's helping you? So then... Um, not many, not many, but are there other kids, are there girls in the classroom that might have similar problems? I asked. I think so. I think one of the other girls is also cutting, and, and they have a gang. They, they are like four girls or something. I see. So do you know the mothers of the other other girls? No, 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 we haven't. We haven't talked. So would it be possible to, you know, call or find some? Oh, I never thought about it like that. And then, you know, starting to think a little bit differently. Like as a single mother, this is overwhelming. You cannot handle that. Come on, stop blaming yourself. It's impossible for you to, you know, she, your girl is 13 years old, she's starting to give that finger to her own mother. She has um, friends and they are all a little bit, uh, you know, doing weird things and so on. And they're all their mothers are worried about these kids. So guess what? 
she did contact the other mothers and they are planning to collaborate and you know when the mothers and fathers collaborate then they have much more chances much 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 more likely that they will have a meeting with the girls and the girls will start to think about yeah let me use my words think about what skills they need to learn in order not to do uh, things that their their parents certainly don't want them to do no and i agree that building a network of support around you on purpose is so helpful because we're talking about uh, the skill, whether it's the skill of going to bed on time or it's a skill of, of managing your stress or even stopping something that's become such a habit. And we know that things like self-harm and um, many other big issues. Computer that, addiction. Oh, yes. And also just social media. I mean, things are powerful in a child's mind. They are powerful. And getting, and it seems so alarming to the parent that they want so desperately to punish them out of doing that behavior. And that's exactly the opposite of anything that'll loosen the grip. But then when the parent turns and asks them, and loosens it up and says, you know what? We're not talking about you as a problem. We're talking about you as what do you need to learn? It's, it can change everything. You know, that along with collaboration, it can change everything. And particularly when we are talking about teenagers who are <clears throat> more difficult to handle, then we might want to collaborate with the other parents and we might want to collaborate with the friends because the friends have so much influence. So even in kindergarten when they, in Finland here, the kids that we started to work with, they're like five and six years old, but they can help each other better than the te teacher, better than the parents, because they're very dependent on each other. And if, if, you know, you have a friend who is supporting you in learning to control your temper, for example, which is a very important skill for many kids. So then, um, then you kind of grow into a culture where I see it's very difficult for people to change themselves unless they get support from other people and those people that are going to support you they have to be important people to you yes. so maybe your sports coach and sometimes it's not mom and dad sometimes okay. it's your uncle sometimes it's your auntie maybe grandmother maybe you know your favorite uh, person in the neighborhood maybe maybe your friend maybe the father of your friend so there there there, there should be maybe maybe it would make all our lives easier if we, we were more network oriented in the way we think about child rearing it can be a challenge in these times and it takes extra steps because we're not just running into each other in um, in when we drop off our kids at school. So I I, incur, I think that it's so important that we look at new and different ways to find this collaboration. Maybe it is a Zoom call with other parents. Maybe it is reaching out uh, to a network of people and. And I think that that's what we need to rebuild back up. It's something, honestly, Ben, that's been a little bit lost is the collaboration aspect of parenting that comes natural when a parent is sitting on the sidelines and their kids are playing soccer. Um, parents don't have that. And that's uh, listening to podcasts, uh, reaching out to the community of the people that uh, listen to that podcast, we need to look for new ways because it's best for our families to live in community.
<laughs> come to think about it when you speak like that is that we are so used to sitting in these zoom meetings in our in our work so maybe we should also start to do zoom meetings with our uh, our uh, the other with the children and the teenagers and the, and even the smaller kids and their parents so we should use our talent to do successful zoom meetings with with our natural networks not only with our colleagues in our work um, our mind wants to say, well, I just want to wait till this is all, all over. The circumstances we can't control, but we can control our own actions and we can control the things that we're like to learn in our lifetime right here in, the, in, in your own home. You can work on that. And that can be a, a step forward that might truly give them the wings they need to pro progress and to make progress in their families. Yes, and now that we are talking about skills to learn, so we already covered the idea that children are maybe more motivated to learn a skill that would make them succeed in school or you know, have a better relationship with their brother or whatever it is, if, uh, if uh, this is done collectively. And with teenagers, it means that you are not the only teenager in this social network who is learning a skill, you know. Um, Susie also has a skill to learn and Rebecca also agreed with her parents that she and actually Susie's mother also has a skill to learn and and his father even if the father lives uh, on the other side of the ocean so he's also uh, agreed to to learn a skill so now we are going to support each other and uh, and then then uh, you know if we do it like this then we still need to talk about motivation because uh, people you know, very often agree to learn all kinds of things but then nothing happens then we get very frustrated so so then uh, the question of motivation becomes very interesting and i think this is something that uh, that we all we should all be interested in what is it that motivates people and 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 we start to kind of collect multi motivational tools and uh, what, I have created a list of them in, in the Kids Skills Method. It's actually kind of a motivational method. The moment you start to talk about skills, the next question is motivation. Like, how do we ensure that people actually learn those skills that they, they said that they want to learn? But one thing is that if you can make it fun, you know, kids can learn anything. And this is true for adults too, that you, we are much more likely to learn something if it's made, if it's fun, if, if there are maybe levels. You borrow from game, gaming industry, you steal ideas from gaming industry, and you know that the games that are much more popular than the other games are those where it's a network that's like you are a gang you, you're not alone playing there with the with the mario bro or something you're actually having a whole network of you get to know them you speak with them you communicate with them so there we we can we can go into the world of gaming and we can retrieve uh, lots of lovely ideas from the world of gaming and and since the the world of gaming has been so uh, successful so why don't we go and steal all their all their ideas and bring oh them gosh. into education i absolutely love it and i remember uh hearing you talk and we're going to find out in a few moments every place that we can find you for those that are not going to be able to say that this is enough uh, they need more of what you're teaching but <laughs> i remember on one of your youtubes i was i browsed that you talked about allowing kids to have imaginary 
a friend or an imaginary person, you know, help them along. If they don't have a friend that can help them, they can, you could say, well, you know, do you have, and I thought of the gaming world because avatars are avatars. Yes. And what I've allowed uh, in teaching many times, I say, what is the avatar that you love to play in your fill in the blank favorite game? And then I say, well, what if that person, what if that avatar was walking right alongside you? What if they were motivating you? What would they say? And it's, it just, their eyes light up because the possibility of that being their helper and it becomes, uh, I don't know. I, I, I remember you talking about that and I, and the light bulb started just going, oh my goodness gracious, even a kid that isn't able to collaborate face to face. That's an amazing thing. Native and Native American Indians, they use this power idea, power animal idea that it kind of comes in your dreams and then, then it helps you or protects you. And in many religions, you have the idea of a guardian angel. Children create that idea without anybody telling them they can have friends or, or they can have heroes or superheroes. So actually, this is quite a common thing that people, people People uh, get they have they find it very useful to identify or to you know befriend some kind of a Baloo. <laughs> Think about Baloo. Baloo is a good one from the Disney animation. Yes. Yeah, and and this is kind of a lovely idea because if you if the child is afraid of something, for example, then you ask them what 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 are you what you know computer game character or cartoon character or fairy tale character they can think of that could help them overcome and, and when it's a fear and we, we were saying that the opposite the opposite of fear is not exactly a skill but it could be a bravery so then you are saying which bravery do you need you're shifting from fear or phobia to bravery or courage, if you like. And then you kind of say, now you are talking about bravery. And when you are talking about bravery, it's kind of automatic that who can help you learn that bravery. And even if you didn't think about some fantasy creature or the children come up with that idea. Yeah, they will say, this beaver will help me. And then you go, oh, the beaver will help you. Yeah, your beaver is my best friend. And then maybe it's a cuddly toy or maybe it's something, something in their mind or something that they fantasize. But anyway, the moment they say the beaver will help me, of course you will say, how will the beaver help you? And then the child enters a kind of a creative process where they say, I, I, will, I will glue a picture of the beaver on my desk or something. They, they come up with kind of silly ideas, perhaps from the adult perspective, but they are actually quite lovely ideas. And, and, and they're not alien to adults either, because even if adults maybe don't have a power animal, so they might have maybe some kind of... Maybe they should. You know, you could have a symbol, you could have a logo. There are so many ways that we can use our imagination to, to support us in uh, or motivate us, support us mm -hmm. to change something, any, you know, eating habits or to change behavioral habits or to change emotional habits. You know, if you become angry and you start shouting and now you should learn 
to to not shout, to, to talk nicely. When, even when you are irritated, you still learn to control your your way of speaking. That's an important skill for many, and many many parents actually, you know, they say they say there's one skill I I would need to learn. I, I I lose my temper very easily with my children, and they say, okay, so what skill do you need to learn? Mm -hmm. Well, I think I need to learn to stay calm, even if my children are you know p pushing my buttons. <laughs> so then you say, oh, that's a wonderful skill, and and I'm sure many many people in your family will benefit. Your children will benefit. Your husband will benefit. Yes. You will benefit because then you won't you know be angry at yourself for losing it again so then um, then you can always enter the, the the realm of imagination and say who can help you maybe the first maybe people first say nobody I have to do it by myself then you would probably say hey come on you are not a miracle maker nobody right. can do these things alone you need help I mentioned to you that I'm going to be doing a couple of series on how to help kids feel balanced and secure when they have two homes that they're living in. And uh, even though we won't have time to dive into all of that, I think that this concept alone is something helpful because a child can take that superhero and that, that power animal or that they can take that with them from home to home. And it can be something that is a commonality between those two spaces. And uh, then in the larger family unit that they call home, which is sometimes two homes, right? I, I like that there was a family therapist and, and the child was having so, you know, it was so difficult for the child to move from one home to the other. And it was a, a nuisance, the kid was a nuisance when she, he was returning, returning to mother or returning to father, either I don't way, remember, yeah. either way, it can be both ways too. Huh? Anyway, so the, the therapist said that the, the reason for this, um, for being so difficult is that uh, the body has moved houses, but the soul has not yet. That's powerful right there. That's Let's all pause and think about that. That was powerful. <laughs> so when the body is now, now, now the body is at mom's place, the, 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 body, the body and the soul were at dad's place. Now the body is at mom's place, but the soul is like halfway in between. Wow, that's so interesting to consider. And we've all experienced when we've gone on a vacation or something, and we come home and we're getting ready for work the next day. And yeah, yeah. I'm still over there on vacation. Why am I going <laughs> to work today? You know? Half your soul is still there, so to say, metaphorically speak. And so the therapist said, you have to have a hat, you know, like a cap that you have, you're wearing could be a scarf just as well it doesn't matter what it is but anyway then you you keep it on until your soul has arrived oh how sweet is that i love that <laughs> so your mom will know that you are not that yeah. your uh, your soul has not yet arrived yes. and she will leave you alone <laughs> and the kid will be like you know give me a minute it's like a a visual way of them kind of knowing give me a minute Give me a minute. Yeah. I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and then then people don't get so nervous about it. And they, what has your daddy done with you again? You haven't been sleeping well, and right. you haven't been eating well. See what you are behaving like that, and then they, you know, start to shout or. Um, even if not they helpful. don't yeah, not helpful <laughs> no. well, I love that that is the sweetest thing I cannot believe how much we've covered and this time has just flown by and uh, from just understanding that there are a lot of pressures that are put on us and questions about how can we raise our kids in the right way and being able to have our eyes opened that there are approaches that can bring collaboration to all of our kids and more than that help them be excited about learning specifically learning skills rather than holding on to problems and i so appreciate you uh, clarifying so many of these um, common concepts that um, that i speak about quite frequently and just getting such a fresh outlook on it thank you for doing that my pleasure where where can you be where's the place that we can go um, on social media to find you some do you have some books if people are interested? What tell us about where we can find you? I'm quite easy to find. You just put my name on Google and you find my YouTube channel and you find the books that I have been writing. And of course, you find my website www.benferman.com. Well, how about if I just put that in the show notes? From there, they can explore. It's fun, actually. It's a little time out for our brain when we explore these new things and. Uh, and I thank you. And what we're going to do is we're going to practice these things. One thing I always do on my podcast is I give solution-focused exercises. And I let my parents walk away with an exercise that they can practice uh, based on um, what our conversation. Now, I'm putting you on the spot. If not, I'm going to listen back to this and think of amazing practice. But do you have something that you might say, Hey guys, let's practice this 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 week. Yeah, there are there are many exercises that we do in parenting classes and so on. But one of the popular ones that most people like is called triple praise. Share it with us. It's a fun exercise. You you uh, it's based on the idea of catch them doing good, and you you do it. You don't do it only with your kids. You have to do it with your husband or wife or your partner or whoever you happen to be with. And then uh, you catch them doing good, or you ask them, like, what have you done this week or today that uh, that went well, that you are proud of, that, you know, success. It's like small everyday successes. You Either you observe them having a successful something, you know, maybe they helped you in the kitchen, or they cleaned their room, or they did their homework without you having to bribe them or you know threaten them with uh, huge punishments no no but not punishment well, we Conse- only consequences yes yeah, so even consequences only consequences only. <laughs> <laughs> so then you catch them doing good like like i think you say there in america which is a lovely expression and then um, then or, or you ask them what they have done and when they tell you you are like all ears and and uh, or if you tell them you you mention what you saw that they did and then you do the triple praise it's naturally consisting from of three compartments and the first one is exclamation of wonder that means you say something like wow well done good job i'm amazed i can't believe it uh, I'm impressed, and then um, you combine 
to this exclamation of wonder some hand signal it can be a high five or a fist bump or a step on the shoulder or whatever you can maybe the facebook sign you know the thumbs up sign anyway this yeah that's it so you don't actually you don't have to say anything with particularly with teenagers it's better not to say anything you just show them your thumbs up sign or some other sign that thing the second part is declaration of difficulty then you say something in line with the No, that's not easy. It's difficult. You know, I have tried and I haven't. You know, many, many don't fail. Many have failed. Many have tried and many have failed. Something in that effect. And uh, the last part of the triple praise is, of course, a question. It's a request for an explanation. That's the scientific name of the third part, request for an explanation. And then you go like, how did you do that? So that's the triple praise. And that's what you need to practice with anyone. Uh, find a victim from anywhere, even even from the local store, <laughs> whoever <laughs> you <Local> store. <laughs> And then you... You subject them to your triple praise, see what happens, you'll have a lot of fun. Oh, it will be fun, but I definitely think that that needs to be our solution-focused exercise this week, the triple praise. We're going to practice those steps, I'm going to put them in the show notes, and um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get feedback on that one because that's great. And I'm going to practice it too. That's the thing, is I love the fact that I can say, oh yes, I'm a counselor, but guess what? I'm a parent too. I'm right there with it. So I'm going to be practicing the triple praise. And I appreciate that you were able to lead us out with our solution-focused practice for the week. And one more thing, when you yes. write it in the practice notes, don't forget to write that when you ask them, how did you do that? If they don't thank anyone for having um, succeeded, you have to ask them one more question. And that is, who helped you? Who helped you? Get their mind Who inspired you? Who yeah, inspired you? I love that. They're just, they're simple questions, but simple, uh, simple and powerful. That's what we're talking about here. Simple and powerful. You know, I'm going to email you back. I'm going to let you know how this goes. When Wonderful. I get some of these success stories, I'm going to have to report back to you because over here on this side of the ocean, we want to be solution focused families. So thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. And that brings us to the end of this podcast. You made it to the end. Congratulations. This is a long one. But you can see why I didn't want you guys to miss a single moment of the wisdom that Dr. Ben Furman shared with us today about how we can be our best selves moving into the new year and beyond to help us be solution-focused families. In the show notes, I'll leave all the information for Ben Furman. Also, there will be a link for the Big Life Journal. If you're doing shopping, don't forget they're having a sale right now. Buy one, get one 50% off if you're listening in November and into December. And I'm an affiliate. So when you buy uh, mindfulness uh, material from the Big Life Journal, you're actually supporting this podcast. And I greatly appreciate it at no extra cost to you as well. And again, don't forget to subscribe if you have not and leave me a review. 
Apple really pushes out podcasts when reviews um, are given to look where they have those stars and then it says leave a written review and it would mean a whole lot to me if you took a moment to leave a review and I want to take a minute to tell you guys thank you I appreciate you guys so much I know you have a lot of choices of podcasts that you could listen to and I appreciate that you took the time to tune into parenting 2.0 the focused mindset Now I hope you're able to spend time with your family and relax over the next few days. And until next time, keep in touch and take care.